Welcome to the Wake Before the Day podcast with my parents, Clark and Bobby. We're excited to talk about the Bible and the Holy Spirit adventures. Thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Today, we're starting a new Woo-hoo! book, the book, book of, of Titus. Titus. <laughs> we have a nephew named Titus. We do. He kind of has become the nickname, though, Tidy. Tidy. Which is just a cute, because hey, now he's not really little anymore. I mean, he is. He's in kinder. But it's kind of just like a cute little, like, I'm not even sure if our kids know that his name is Titus. They might. They call him Tidy. What's funny is this name is going to stick with him and he's going to be obliterating people in the wrestling mat in Nebraska. Yeah. Come on, Tidy. Way to go. (laughs) Bull Nelson. Bam. Broken. He's already doing that. I think he he could put moves on like Clark when they're like, I don't even know what they are. Yeah. He grabbed the the long (laughs) skinny Corver legs and put me in a pretzel for sure. So the book of Titus, you guys, Mm -hmm. lots of really good stuff in here. Let's jump in. All right. Hey, right away, Paul and Titus, they had ministered together on the island of Crete. So when you read this book, this must have happened sometime later in Paul's ministry because Luke doesn't mention this ministry in the book of Acts, Um, or or Luke doesn't mention Mm -hmm. this when he's writing it, you know, about Paul's ventures. So as it begins, this is what it says, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Christ Jesus to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. And so I love how Paul is introduced. He's a servant of God. It doesn't say Mm -hmm. reverend, doesn't say PhD, it doesn't say doctorate or level three Jedi. Right. It says... I'm a servant of God. He has positioned Mm -hmm. himself in the correct spot, and he encourages us to do it as well. And it makes it clear that he's not here trying to do his will, but he is here to submit to God's will. And Mm -hmm. those are words we might just bust right by. I'm here, he's saying, I'm here to further the faith of God's elect. I'm here to help God do what he's called me to do. I'm not here with my own agenda. Yeah. And when it comes to the elect, these are God's chosen people, uh, chosen before the creation of the world. There's a great mystery um, to this, as much of the Bible talks about God's election. And I would encourage you, there's no need to fight about this. The Calvinists and Arminians don't need to fight over it. Uh, at the end of the day, just trust the Holy Spirit's doing more than you and I probably realize. He's at work in hearts before someone's mind might even be caught up to what the Spirit's doing mm. and that God is good. And at the end of the day, we're still called to make disciples. We're still called to speak of Jesus. We're still called to reconcile, forgive, and pray, all mm-hmm. these things. And I love that he says here that the truth of the gospel in a person's heart is what leads to godly change. Mm-hmm. Because oftentimes we preach, heck, say no to sin, say no to sin, say no to sin. And even sometimes if you're doing a good job, you'll say, you know, say yes, you have to have a higher yes to the way of Jesus. However, that still doesn't always bring about like genuine heart change. And what you have to realize as a Christian is that we are not getting caught up in the weeds of what someone's supposed to do, 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 do. That's what the Pharisees were screaming at these people. That's what the Judaizers were yelling at the early church. You got to do this to be saved. You have to do this to be part of the community. Where Christianity begins and where our transformation begins is resting in what Jesus Christ has already done. And so that's the truth of the gospel. Christ has paid the penalty. Christ has lived sinlessly. Christ's righteousness is applied to us when we repent and believe, which is, again, brought about by the touching of the Spirit in a Mm -hmm. person's heart. And so that's already just right out of verse 1, coming from (laughs) Titus 1, Tidy 1, Tidy (laughs) 1-1, saying here's what we're called to do. That's good. 
I mean, it keeps going. Verse two is a heavy hitter as well. And the hope of eternal life. So their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness in the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. Mm. So let's note here, eternal life. Wow. God planned this before the creation of the world. So first Peter also speaks about this first Peter one, which tells us that Jesus, the lamb without blemish or defect was chosen also before the creation of the world and would Mm. be sacrificed for our sins. So if you just sit in that, so hope of eternal life and not just eternal life, which itself is like mind blowing, but with which God who we know doesn't lie because of what he tells about us, what he tells us about himself has promised before, not just before we were born or before even your ancestors were born, but before the beginning of time, Mm -hmm. that should give you a tremendous amount of hope. Yes. And that should give you the kind of hope that's freeing. Absolutely. That should help you understand that like, man, I'm going to mess up. And in me messing up, it's not all about me because God is not surprised. God has ordained these things, these things that are eternal and forever for all time. And I get to partner in that. And that's a gift. And I'm not going to yeah. mess it up. I, I love when you read the Bible. It's it's above our human ability to understand like even yeah. some of these things. And, and I'm okay with that. Grandpa always said, life's a mystery to be celebrated, not a problem to be solved. And so when Jesus is praying to the Father in the, in the Gospel of John, um, he's mm-hmm. talking about the love that they had amongst the Trinity, really, before the creation of the world. And then you read mm-hmm. some of the epistles where Paul is talking about this chosen people who were chosen, again, in Titus and Ephesians before the creation of the world. Mm-hmm. And then First Peter... It, it alludes to the fact that God knew what creating man and woman would require of him. It mm-hmm. seems like God God knows these people are going to choose life apart from me, but God wants relationship with people he made in his image so badly. Again, like Bobby said, that first Peter 1, Jesus was chosen before the creation of the world to be a lamb without blemish or right. defect, to pay the price for our sins so that God can be reconciled to his people, mm-hmm. that we could be in relationship with him. Absolutely mind-blowing. Another thing to consider, too, is eternal life to some folks, I think, can equate to just kind of like morality or our behavior or how like how we're living. Yeah, and or kind like of floating like on the where, clouds someday in the future. Where we're going. Like, yeah. Okay, well, that's a nice thought. But the Bible speaks about eternal life in this significant relationship that we actually enter into with God, this union, this covenant on earth that we Mm -hmm. actually get to experience the abiding comfort and love and conviction of the Holy Spirit on earth and forever. That my, I think other folks would say this too, that it's actually not life and then death and then life. It's actually life to life Yep. because you're in Christ. And so that's one of the like pictures, I guess, of eternal life. If you can have that in your mind, that it's, it's just this continuous Mm -hmm. relationship Mm -hmm. with a holy God. Yeah, and verse 3 continues, and it talks about how like God's plan is being laid out according to God's timeline. It says, which now at God's appointed season, he has brought to light through the preaching entrusted to me the command of God our Savior. And so when you think about world history, God planned at this point in world history to send Jesus. Mm-hmm. And when you look at what was happening in the world at the time, it actually makes sense. Some of the things of God are mysterious and like, how's he doing this? Or... I'm not able to logically make right. sense of all this, but here it actually makes sense because Christianity came into the world at a time when the Roman Empire was expanding rapidly. 
They were building road systems that allowed people to travel quickly and efficiently. This allowed the gospel to spread further and faster. There was a common language, a common literature, a common business, there were common trade. Hellenization and culture was spreading, and the Jews were in the midst of all of that. And so here, this allowed the, the gospel to spread rapidly and when, when the persecution came about. And so you're like, wow, thank you, God, for having a plan, for having this time, and understanding that even when the Christians were going to be put to death and these terrible things were going to happen, so much good was going to come from it because of the way that this was all set up. And then it even gets better when Jesus ascends into heaven and then Pentecost happens. The Holy Spirit's poured out, and then what happens? People are speaking in languages and everyone around them starts to understand. And so what happens next then in the biblical story is the spirit starts to unite people that don't look like each other, that don't vote like each other, that don't eat and drink like each other, that Mm -hmm. don't wear clothes like each other. Starts unifying them around the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this Mm -hmm. is part of his plan. And now Paul turns the attention to Titus. Right. And Titus is going to start getting some practical steps on what they're supposed to do. So really one, two, and three, that's all just part of Paul's introduction. Yeah. <laughs> so if you, if you get, think about that. Think about that the next time you introduce yourself, uh, who you are. And uh, well, we're about nine <laughs> minutes and 10 seconds in, so I don't I think anybody would want to listen to me. It's, it's good stuff. Okay, verse four and five. To Titus, my true son, in our common faith, Grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. The reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and Mm. appoint leaders in every town as I directed you. So people are coming to Christ. I love that Paul says that, like you were saying, in our common faith. Like that's what keeps us together. That's That's what we have in common is our faith. So people are coming to Christ from all walks of life, um, and they need to be taken care of. They mm-hmm. need to be shepherded well. The same thing happened, actually, if you think back to Israel. And when the priests were kind of appointed because Moses was overrun with just kind of practical, how do we handle these things? And so we need structure. We need to steward our relationships well. And by doing that, we need people to look out for one another. Mm-hmm. And so this is just kind of like basic um, what does this look like? Help us put tangible, applicable things. Um, together so that we can be a blessing to these people who have come to faith. And that's what verse six, seven, and eight sound like. An elder must be blameless, faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Clark, hear that. Mm. Working on it. Work in progress. Wild. Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. I love this. Here, Paul's saying, Timothy or Titus, you got to find godly men. These are your elders. They're men who have specific spiritual character qualities. Notice mm. that there is no mention of charisma or smooth talking. They're not saying, hey, who's yeah. got the best looking hair and who wins the crowd and makes everybody laugh? Who's really popular in the who's, community? Yeah, who's yeah. really popular in the community? Who's making business moves? Like mm-hmm. that ain't on the list. He's saying instead over charisma, we are looking for character. Look for people who are the same on Friday night and the same at the dinner table when there's chaos 
as they are on mm-hmm. Sunday morning. This is the kind of person with this kind of character, what we need. And the same thing with uh, skills and giftedness. He's saying, I want godliness and a deep rootedness over someone who's really gifted. Anytime you have someone elevated, the Proverbs talk about this. Anytime you put a servant too high in a place where their character cannot withstand mm-hmm. the, the skill set that God's blessed them with, they're going to fall, whether yeah. it's pride or immorality or some other issue of, of dysfunction, whether it's working with a team. You've seen this in basically every band, uh, sports teams, whatever, egos set in. And here he's saying you have to find people who have a godliness and a, and a character mm-hmm. that are deep-rooted and Christ-centered. And, and the giftedness and the charisma... Those things are like secondary, um, third, fourth, fifth down the line, like whatever. Mm-hmm. But here's what is most important. So in our church, I really appreciate the process. When we are nominate elders, if you're a partner in mission, you basically are saying like, hey, I believe in orthodoxy. I'm willing to give my life to the mission of Jesus and join these people here at Emmanuel. Mm-hmm. And what happens then is you get to notify, you get to um, identify people that you think should be elders, these men. And so the church is then notified, and the church gets time to confirm these people or raise objections. Mm-hmm. And so the reasoning here is that if they don't line up with like the descriptions for an elder laid out in Paul's letter to Timothy or hear Paul's letter to Titus, the the church needs to have time to say, "Hey, hey, time out! Like I'm, I'm as nice of you to elect, you know, so and so, but." Here's one concern I have for them. Can we talk about it? And the reason why is you want to protect the flock. You want to protect the church Mm -hmm. because you want God's church to be in in the best shape possible. And it's not that these people can't one day be elders, but right now they're in a season where they need to be walked with and encouraged and blessed, instructed and rebuked Mm -hmm. before because otherwise they're going to get hurt in the process and the people around them are going to get hurt in the process. And so the elder needs to focus on the home life before they focus on the church life. You notice that here when Paul's mm-hmm. writing to Titus, and again in 1 Timothy 3, he's saying, who are these people outside of Sunday? Right. Who are they on Friday night? Who are they on Wednesday morning? Who are they in the in the workplace? And I love verse 9, because it says, you have to hold fast to the word and don't deviate from it. When Paul says these men need to keep going as they have been taught, it means that an elder has already been underneath someone else's teaching already. And that's huge for everybody Like as a Christian. We're submitting to the teaching uh, of godly shepherds that the church has appointed. They're using scripture properly and well. They're interpreting the Bible with the Bible. And this is really important. And and Paul's going to make this clear because of what he says now in verses 10 through 16. Yeah, let me read it. For there are many rebellious people full of meaningless talk and deception, especially those of the circumcision group. They must be silenced because they are disrupting whole households by teaching Mm. things they ought not to teach and that for the sake and for the sake of dishonest gain. One of Crete's own prophets has said, Cretans are always liars, evil brutes and lazy gluttons. Mm. This saying is true. Therefore rebuke, this saying is true, therefore rebuke them sharply so that they will be found in sound faith and will pay no attention to Jewish myths or to merely the human commands of those who reject the truth. To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and their consciences are corrupted. They claim to know God, but by their actions, they Hmm. deny him. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for doing anything good. Break that down, Clark. Basically, he's saying you have to sift through meaningless talk and deception. Again, going back to the charisma kind of conversation, there are people who are going to be able to put on a show 
And it might work sure. for a while, but you have to follow the fruit. Follow the fruit and see who are these people really. Time will tell. Are they growing in Christ's likeness? Are they interpreting the Bible correctly and living according to it? Do they submit to the authority? And so it seems like Paul is writing to people of Jewish background being unbiblical and they're treating other people who are coming into the faith unfairly. Right. Um, and, and here he mentions like finances too. Mm-hmm. Dishonest gain is what I'm guessing. And if you think about it, with Jesus, one of the times he erupted in the Gospels is when he came into the temple and saw that they were taking advantage of all the travelers coming from all over the world right. to make sacrifices. And if the pigeon was supposed to cost a dollar, they were selling the pigeons for like 10 bucks and trying to claim like, this is a temple pigeon. It's super holy and, it's pure, and pure and blameless. Yeah. You need to get the pigeon here or we'll give you two for one, whatever. And Jesus goes off on them because they're making money off of dishonestly. That's not how it's supposed to be done. And then verse 15, he's talking about purity. He's saying to the pure. And so purity as permitted by the Bible is using the Bible as a standard. Like what is pure? What is noble? What is good? And we have to use the word as our guide and as our filter for our lives and for our living. Otherwise we're going to be subject to the next great idea or whatever feels good that day. Mm -hmm. And you know, that can be so misleading and deceiving. So that's that's um, Paul's initial statement to Titus. I like how this is like, this is a strong word for the people who are in, they're inside of the faith now. That's what yeah. he's saying. Like these aren't people, he said, they claim to know God, but by their actions, they deny him. So we're not talking about people in the world who don't know mm-hmm. they haven't met and they're living the way of the world. We're talking about people who've come into the faith yes. and they're saying, I, you know, I know what it's like. And so purity in the way that it's not just an outside thing. It's not just behavior modification, but it's actually pure motive. Like it's actually an internal, like your consciousness is pure before God. You have peace before God because of your desires Mm -hmm. are being checked. And so I think that that's just a really good word for all of us, even today in the church. You know, are we folks that are, um, I mean, this word is from Paul to Titus about the elders but this can be applied to people, all people inside of the church. How are we uh, when it comes to our household? What does that look like? What are things that we need to repent of? What are things yeah. that we need to surrender to God and say, you know what? I'm clinging this idol too tightly. What does that actually look like for you guys? So thanks for joining us for Titus chapter one. We're going to continue this book and it's going to be a gift. God bless you guys. And we'll talk soon. Lord bless you and keep you. Don't make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give him his peace. Have a great day.